Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. If you're new or visiting today, I most likely will offend you, not on purpose, but to challenge you to know the Word of God. To know the Word of God. It's very important. And so we have a generation after generation. Now, there's basically been two generations who we've been taught for the last 40 years. There is no God. You came from the goo, made it to the zoo, and now you're you. And then we ask, why are they, why are they behaving like animals? Why do they behave like animals? Because we've been telling them for 40 years, you came from an animal. Don't worry about it. Do what you want to do. The judgment of God. This is the first time I've done this. I've talked about it in the past. Uh, We went and ministered at Hurricane Katrina. This is very tender ground. So as I share this, I don't share this with hatred or anger. I share this with love. I seriously do. And so I want to watch my tone because tone is uh, 38% of communication is tone. So I want you to know, I say this not as a crazed person who's desiring the judgment of God to come upon our country. But at the same time, we have to be mature enough to look at what is happening and ask a simple question. Could this be the judgment of God coming upon America? We have to be mature enough to ask that simple question and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. Because the prophets of old, and I'm not equating myself to a prophet of old, I'm just using this as an example. The prophets of old were, were given a message by God. They proclaimed it, and it was not received in the northern kingdoms, in the northern kingdom of Israel. In the southern kingdom, it was received, and then they fell back into the flesh. They repented, they fell back into the flesh. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king, until finally God said, enough is enough, you're done, I'm taking you off the land. And the Jewish people were removed from the land of Israel, regathered in 1948. So the judgment of God. Could what we are seeing happening in America be the judgment of God? Has God lifted his hand of protection off of our country? The world wants to chalk up natural disasters as climate change. But is it that simple? What is going to bring about God's ultimate judgment on this earth found in Revelation? And if you're newer visiting at Calvary, we believe from Genesis to to Revelation. We believe in the whole counsel of God. We actually believe there's going to be a seven-year tribulation. There's going to be a millennial reign of Christ. According to the Word of God, it's the immoral decadence that is going to be rampant upon the face of of the whole world. What is going to bring the judgment of God upon mankind? It's the immoral decadence. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And if you're new or visiting, we're doing a study before the study. Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32. And we're going to read through these very quickly. Most of you are probably familiar with them. But if there's a new believer here, because people are getting saved, you need to know why things are happening. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, Romans 1.18, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in 
unrighteousness. So notice in verse 18, when is the judgment of God coming upon this earth? We can now look at some parameters and not just, well, you know, Hurricane Katrina was, a hurric- was probably just Hurricane Katrina. That's why he wasn't taking a stance. This time I'm taking a stance. I'm taking a stance. And you'll, you'll find out why. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Has God shown us as a country over the last 200, 300 years, has God shown us that there is a God and that the Word of God is the Word of God? Absolutely, beyond the shadow of any doubt. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. So even before the written Word of God, Abraham knew there was a God by creation. So no one will ever have an excuse. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Notice creation calls forth that there is a God, not Mother Earth. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but being futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Notice this. As we see university after university after university proclaiming foolishness, but they're professing to be wise and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. God takes his hand of protection off of those people and off of nations, just like he did Israel. God protected Israel. But God, after warning after warning, finally said, okay, you want to do it yourself? Do it yourself. Have a good time in Assyria and have a great time in Babylon because you're not coming back for 70 years. You didn't let the land rest for 490 years. Now I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to discipline you. Again, therefore God gave them also up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. This is called homosexuality, lesbianism. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, notice that they knew there was a God, but we don't want to have anything to do with God. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, Wow, social media wasn't around 2,000 years ago, and look what was happening. Haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, 
Here's the key in verse 32 for me this morning. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. When is the judgment of God going to come upon a person, a people, a city, a state, a country? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 18. You see, there are many more scriptures, hundreds that we could turn to, but this one gives us a perfect picture of what is taking place in our world and specifically in California. When a Senate bill is introduced to protect pedophiles and it passes, how far have we fallen as a society? The bill I'm referencing, you can look it up, you can read it. I will not read it on a Sunday morning. It's so despicable. SB 145. And I don't think our society can go much lower. Well, I wanted to show the vote. Here's the vote. And so I think we got a slide. I want to take a picture of it. You can, otherwise you can just look it up. Just look it up yourself. The California Senate has 60 Democrats, 19 Republicans. The vote on SB 145, 40 Democrats, one Republican voted in favor of the bill. The bill is basically protecting pedophiles and allowing a 24-year-old to have sex with a 14-year-old. Read the bill. Voted in favor, nine Democrats, uh, wait a minute, sorry about that, voted in favor, now voted against, nine Democrats, 16 Republicans, 11 Democrats and two Republicans abstained or did not vote at all. You see, when the society defends pedophiles instead of children, then I believe God's judgment is going to come upon that society and the end of that society is near. Matthew 18, if you'd like to turn to Matthew really quick. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, Jesus speaking, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. Now, you might not know what a millstone is, but a millstone was a very large stone that they would have two stones. They would have one that laid flat on the ground, and then they have another large stone that would go around in a circle to crush the grain. They weighed hundreds of pounds hundreds of pounds, six, eight hundred, a thousand pounds. And what does meek and mild Jesus say? Because Jesus is the judge of the whole earth. He says that in the gospels. Therefore, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better if for him or her, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Matthew 24, turn to 24, just a few pages to your right. Jesus spoke to his disciples and those gathered in Matthew 18. He's speaking to his disciples again in Matthew 24 specifically. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Notice that. Not for a cause, but because of the name of Jesus Christ, you will be hated. And then many will be offended. 
will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, King James is iniquity. New King James is lawlessness. Notice this. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Very important right there. That word love is agape. I personally believe only Christians can have agape love. Because we receive and come to understand what agape love is, is when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. So an unbeliever might try to live committed, selfless, unconditional love, but sooner or later they will snap. Where a Christian, as you surrender and you make a mistake and you repent, you say, I'm a, you know what? I just learned something about my phileo love, brotherly love. I need to call on God to give me agape, more agape love, more agape love, more agape love. So I believe this is specifically speaking to you and I as believers. The love of many will grow cold. And as we're talking about civil unrest and possibly a civil war, we as believers need to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts against what the enemy has come to do. What does the enemy come to do? To deceive us. That's his number one tactic. And then he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. What we're seeing right now in our country is totally different than World War II or a dictator that's, that's butchering people and we need to go in and protect and save those women and children. Totally different what we're seeing right now. And I have no issue with you protecting your house. I have no issue with that. But be very careful that you're not stockpiling ammunition to come against the government when they come to your house. You will not find that in the scriptures. You will not find that in the scriptures anywhere. We are called to take a stand for God, to take a stand for grace and mercy and not be deceived. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. My wife has a new saying. And she says, basically, don't wait, to the, don't wait for the flying angels. Now, if you're newer visiting and you don't have Jesus as your savior, during the seven years of the great tribulation, at the very end, towards the very end, there's going to be angels that are going to be flying through the heavens because God is so merciful. After, after the two witnesses, after the 144,000 evangelists, right near the end, God sends angels and those angels proclaim, repent, repent, acknowledge God, repent. You don't want to wait for those flying angels. It's probably going to be too late because the mark of the beast is taking place. So be very, very careful. Someone might say, what can we do? We're just one person. Well, as I've been encouraging you over the weeks and months, please do your homework and vote for people that will defend every human being born and unborn. Do your homework. If you're not registered to vote, you need to register to vote. If you have the attitude, well, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter, wake up. It matters. Do your homework. God will show you who to vote for. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. Lord, we're living in very serious times. We thank you that we're able to come together and, and praise you and worship you. Our brothers and sisters in, in various states are not allowed to do this. 
total control. The knee of the whole world is bowing. And so, Father, give us wisdom and discernment in these evil days. And as Christians are mocked and ridiculed and being accused of spreading the virus, even now, because we're gathering, your word is essential. People are committing suicide. Depression is high. Anxiety is high. Our our country is, is imploding. And they don't want the word of God to be available for those who are dying. Father, just wake us up. Give us wisdom and discernment that we would minister to those whom we can minister to while we have a chance to minister in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in, in, in wherever we might be. Give us an opportunity, Father, to proclaim the goodness, your goodness, your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning as we get into more of your word, that you would minister to every person in this room, whatever, wherever they find themselves at, a young believer or a saint who's 30, 40, 50 years in the faith, Father, we're all being challenged to live for you. Pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at our teaching this morning, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to have a pastor slash leadership conference, as I mentioned last week. So if you're new or visiting, you'll see what I'm talking about. But it's very important to know what God has for us as believers. So verse 17. From Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, Paul said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with all tears and trials, which happened to me at the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from how, and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 17, from Miletus, he sent Paul. If you're new or visiting, this is Paul, who was Saul. Now he's Paul, name change, same man. He sent to Ephesus. He's heading to Jerusalem. He wanted to get there for the feast of Passover, but he was held up due to a plot on his life. So now he's shooting for Pentecost. I'd like to get there for Pentecost. So he's heading to Jerusalem, Ephesus, and called for the elders of the church, called for the elders. The term elder, bishop, or pastor are interchangeable or synonymous in the New Testament. An elder is not necessarily based on age, but rather a person who has shown and been proven to have spiritual maturity. So an elder could be a person who's 25 years old. They've been in the Lord for two or three years. Sometimes they're more mature than a Christian that's been in the Lord for 40 years and and has not grown. So this is not a matter of age. It's a matter of spiritual maturity. A bishop is an overseer or superintendent, one who looks over the well-being of the church, making sure that the ministry is working effectively and efficiently. A pastor is one who has a heart for teaching the flock as well as caring for them. The root Greek word for pastor is used only once in the New Testament and is found in Ephesians 4.11. But the same Greek root word is used 17 other times in the New Testament. And I'm not a Greek scholar. You guys can get the books. You can find this all out yourself. 
as the word shepherd, which gives us the true definition of the word pastor, a shepherd. So Paul called the elders, bishops, pastors to meet with him in Miletus, which is about 30 miles directly south of Ephesus for a pastor slash leadership conference. This is the only recorded in-depth lesson given by Paul to Christians in the book of Acts. And it's interesting that it's directed towards pastors and leaders. But it is a lesson that every believer can benefit from as every believer is called by the Heavenly Father to be a minister of the gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. Let's look at John chapter 15. Turn quickly because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you uh, in the chairs if you just look down. It's very important that you get used to your Bible. It's not so much what I say, it's what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? And that's why we quote scriptures around here. John 15. No longer do I call you servants. John is, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room the night before his crucifixion. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. Isn't that awesome? He calls you friend. Even though we're servants of the Most High God, Jesus calls us friends. We're also his brother and sisters in Christ. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Notice this. Notice that, guys. As Christians, you should be bearing fruit. Fruit for the Democratic Party? Fruit for the Republican Party? For the Socialist Party? For any party? For Jesus. For Jesus. That's our first commission. And what we do otherwise, yes, we need to be responsible and study and vote, all of those things. But first and foremost, we are an ambassador for Christ. That, that your fruit should remain. Notice that you should be bearing fruit and that your fruit should remain. So it's a simple question. How long have you been in the Lord? Are you still producing fruit? Or did you put yourself on the shelf? And I don't know, I don't, you know, I'm retired from the ministry. I don't need to produce that fruit anymore. You won't find it in the scriptures anywhere. There's no such thing as retiring as a Christian. Anywhere. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I, I suggest to you. These things I recommend you. These things might be a good idea for you to do. Is that what your, body, is that what your Bible says? These things I command you. And that bugs us. Because we're Americans, and we don't want to be told what to do. But now what if a majority of Americans are doing? They're doing what they're told to do out of social pressure. It's amazing. It's amazing how we'll stand up and say, I'm not going to tell have anybody tell me what to do, but yet we're doing what they're telling us to do. It's, manipulation is very easy. But Jesus says, these things I command you, that you love one another. As we look back in Acts, you see it's been roughly 20 years now since Paul's conversion. And we're going to see in these verses how the Holy Spirit changed the life of a religious fanatic. He would have been in ISIS. He would have been classified as ISIS, as Saul of Tarsus. He was hunting Christians down. He was torturing Christians. And he was killing, having Christians killed. He would have been in ISIS. So ISIS is not new. It's just in a different wrapping paper. Same package, just different wrapping. You see, we can rest assured 
that the Holy Spirit desires to do in the same thing in our lives as the Holy Spirit did in Saul's life. Instead of harassing believers, Saul became born again and brought forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not his own fruit. This is not a pep talk. It's about the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you're burned out, you're not relying upon the Holy Spirit because you cannot burn out God. It's impossible. Now, maybe you need to rest from the ministry for a season. Nothing wrong with that. We need rest. All of us need rest. But don't ever retire. There's no such thing as retirement. Rest, yes. Retirement, no. And brought forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit to those whom you came in contact with. Jew as well as Gentile. If you're not a Jew in here this morning, you're a Gentile. Look at verse 18. You see, it's all about a relationship with God via Jesus, desiring to be more like Him each and every day. And as we go over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some aspects, aspects of our Christian walk, because we want to make the Bible practical. It's very applicable for you young people who are being told the Bible's not applicable, practical, it's archaic, it's chauvinistic, you can't get anything out of it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Read your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. It will transform your life in a good way. You will love the sinner. Verse 18, And when they had come to him, so now that the elders, the pastors, the overseers have come to Paul, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, that I came to this area on my missionary journeys, in what manner I always lived among you. Now, I'm doing junior high on on Wednesday nights. I encourage you to bring your junior high young adults and your high school young adults to church. The high school group's doing a phenomenal job. They're going to go out street witnessing very soon. Junior high, we were going through the book of Ephesians. um, And we had some uncomfortable communication this past week. But it's real. It's their lives. It's our lives. How do we address someone when they say that there's not two sexes, just male and female? Maybe you don't know it, but your junior hire is asking questions. Maybe not to you because they're embarrassed or afraid or they don't think you're going to answer them biblically. But we encourage them to bring those questions out because it's a part of their lives, whether we want to deal with it or not as parents. It is a part of their lives. So we're not afraid to talk about it. And we'll take them back to the Bible. And we'll explain to them what they're trying to do. How they're trying to deceive you into believing the lie that's from the pit of hell. And so we need one another. This is why we need the church. And so what is this aspect? Well, the aspect that I see, I say all that to say, as you read your Bible, start interpreting your Bible. Start interpreting your Bible for decades now. And it's still happening to this day. So many churches are spoon-feeding the people that come because it's all about numbers and money. I'm not concerned about numbers and I'm not concerned about money. I'm concerned about Christians not being strong believers in these days we're living in. And if you're not a strong believer, you are going to get wiped out. You're going to cave to the social pressure. So what's the aspect that I see here? I see an open life. You see, Paul lived and moved amongst the people and they saw his manner of life or lifestyle from the first day that he set foot in Ephesus. Basically, they were able to see his walk that it matched his talk. You see, Paul spent three years with the Ephesians. So they were intimately familiar with his social as well as ministerial life. 
They took note of the various seasons that had come into a person's life. They saw the joyful times, the sorrowful times. They saw the times of rejoicing and the times of grief. I'm sure that there were Christians who died during his time with them. Others were married and and there were babies that were being born. You see, we can forget that the basics of this life taking place and that Paul had to deal with these basics just like you and I do. He wasn't walking around with a halo over his head. He had to deal with reality. Rome was occupying Israel. You see, Paul lived with the people of the church night and day for three years. And they saw a man that was walking through seasons that his life can bring. Guys, every one of us in this room, we have seasons of life. We had seasons in our lives where we were just married with no children. That lasted for a whole year. Bummer. Baby, two weeks before our first anniversary. And her mother was still counting. I go, mommy, 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 come on. 12 months? Come on, hello. We're having sex before we got married. So we had season of babies. Then we had seasons of teenagers. Thank God that's over. And we got seasons of marriage. All, we all have these different seasons. Now I'm 60 years old. Now I'm entering that season of aches and pains. Thanking God every day that I got a brand new body waiting for me. Guys, we all have seasons. Sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short. We had a season of 20 years before our oldest son repented and came back to Jesus. But we clung to the word of God because that's a season. We know it's a season. God's word is true. We have seasons. Are you willing to hang in there through that season that his life can bring? And they took note that this man was living out, living out the Christian faith. So for you and I, What about an open life today? As we are around people, do they see the Holy Spirit has and is transforming our lives so that our walk matches our talk? Do people literally see that? Do they see us experiencing the joy of the Lord? Do they see us walking through a season of grief by the empowering of the Holy Spirit? Do they understand the depth of our faith when we cling to the word during those times of sorrow or distress? Like for my wife and I, when she was diagnosed with cancer four years ago, do people see that? Do people understand? There's a hope. There's a living hope because we're all going to die and praise God she's doing well now, but we're all going to die. Now, no one is perfect or ever will be until the day we die, but there should be, there should be external evidence of the internal commitment that we are shaped into the image of Jesus. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3 very quickly. 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read that again as you're turning there. There should be external evidences of the internal commitment that we are being shaped into the image of Jesus. Not into the image of the pastor, the image of the president, the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's Holy Spirit there, there is liberty. But we all, and he's speaking to Texan Christians here only, but we all, speaking to all Christians, all Christians, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Guys, what is the mirror? This is your mirror. 
This is how you will behold God. This is how you will behold Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you are not in this, you are not beholding God. And as you read this from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to learn about that God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. As God sent Jonah to the Ninevites, because God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. And all of Nineveh was saved. This was years before Jesus came on the scene. God loves every single person as we approach 8 billion people. Very important that you and I were in this, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. So how are you going to be transformed? Maybe you're asking yourself as a young believer, this is key. And this just got driven home to me when I was 17 by a 26-year-old Jesus freak who loved Jesus and listened to nothing but Christian music and played his guitar and played Christian worship and walked around all the time saying, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. He was a wacko. And I became just like him. And I encourage you to become more like Jesus because he's the only answer, guys. He's the only answer. If we get rid of all the police, has anybody thought about this? And I encourage you to think about this. And as you have conversations with those who want to defund the police, just ask them a simple question. Okay, let's get rid of all police. What happens then? Just ask me a simple question and then wait. Well, we'll all just get along. Really, you think that's what's going to happen. Look at every country, North Korea, Russia, China, Cuba, Venezuela. Look at the countries that did away with their police forces. Who replaced their police forces? The military. And you get out of line and you will be shot. No questions asked. These people are in la-la land. You need to take down the word of God. Because we are wicked. Our hearts are wicked. We need to be governed by someone. And as we as believers are governed by God, we don't need the law. The Holy Spirit becomes a law in and of itself. And we're not out raping and pillaging and stealing and burning. We're praying for those people that they would come to know Jesus because they need Jesus. They don't need another, their candidate in the, in the White House. They need Jesus. So first aspect, our walk should match our talk. Our walk matches our talk. So ask yourself that question. Does your walk as a Christian match your talk? It's that simple. Does your walk match your talk? Verse 19, Acts chapter 20. Serving the Lord with all humility. Again, you know, this is what we hear when we're at pastor's conferences. We go through the Bible we don't say kumbaya and hug each other. We actually do Bible studies at our pastor conferences so that we can get fed and so that we can be rebuked, so that we can be chastened, so that we can be encouraged, so that we go home to encourage and strengthen and rebuke our flocks. Because we are just like you, human beings. We're sinners saved by grace. Serving the Lord with all humility, with all many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Verse 19. Here we see another aspect of being a minister in the life of Paul. Paul served the Lord with humility. Paul was not always this way as a Pharisee. 
He was full of religious pride in his younger years. But once he surrendered his life to Jesus, then Paul took on a shepherd's heart for the sheep. He saw his own nation as sheep that were lost and without a shepherd. Guys, your coworkers are sheep that are without a shepherd. You have to get this mindset as a minister of the gospel. They're sheep and they're just following whoever is saying, go over here, go over there, destroy this, have sex with so-and-so, do drugs, commit suicide. It's okay. Number one cause of death between 10 and 14-year-old children. Parents, this is reality. Number one cause of death between 10 and 14-year-old children, suicide. Suicide in America, where we have everything. I mean, literally, guys, come on. The poorest of person in America is the richest in the world. We have everything available to us. And 10-year-olds and 14-year-olds are killing themselves? What does that say about our society? That we don't have as much as we think we have, do we? No, we're in desperate days. Look, let's look at Luke 10. Look, look at Luke 10. You see, with this fresh insight, he was willing to serve both Jew and Gentile in humility, whether they liked him or not. Remember, as you're turning to Luke 10, I'm going to read it again. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, notice that, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. The religious Jews wanted to kill Paul. Luke 10, 1 through 3 And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. So there were not just 12 disciples, there were many disciples. And here we see that there were 70 disciples at one point in the ministry. There were 12 apostles, but there were just many disciples. And sent them two by two, notice that, before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then Jesus said to these disciples, the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few. Think about true Bible-believing Christians in America. 330 million Americans right now. How many of them are true Bible-believing Christians, are willing to die for Jesus? Very, very few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. (laughs) Isn't that a great thought? And this is 2020. That fits Christianity today. If you as a Christian go out into the world and start proclaiming the things that all lives matter, and if you do that in the wrong setting, you are going to be amongst wolves and they will eat you alive. And you might not come out alive. Do your fellow employees welcome you with open arms in the morning with praise and adoration on their lips? If you're a Bible-believing Christian, they don't. When they let their viewpoints be known and you let yours be known, you'll see the contention very quickly. Or do they desire to eat you up and spit you out before lunchtime? Humility is something that is caught as well as taught. It's seeing humility in the life of Jesus and then asking the Holy Spirit to instill that in our lives. Help me, Lord, to be humble enough to minister to others without any thought of fleshly thanks or receiving a pat on the back. How often do we do that just because it's, let's just do it? Or do we expect the thanks? 
Help me, Lord, to be humble enough to say I'm sorry when I've wronged someone, even when they don't expect me to. Help me, Lord, to be humble enough to love the unlovable because you love them. There is no one beneath you or I because we never look down on his creation. Humility is probably the hardest aspect of the ministry to arrive at because our flesh typically is looking to be noticed. That's typically why we serve. Serving when no one is looking is true humility. Loving when no one notices true humility. And notice that Paul just desired to serve those around him in humility, even though some of them hated him. So here we see another true aspect of a leader, a Christian, one of humility. So the first aspect, our walk matches our talk. Second aspect now, humility should be a major part of our walk. Notice that. Humility, being able to serve in any way possible, should be a major part of our walk. Verses 20 and 21 gives us the next aspect. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Key word there, repent, repentance. Paul taught them the whole counsel of God in public as well as in private. And what Paul did teach those whom he came in contact with, what did he teach them? Repentance towards God and faith in the facts of the word that Jesus was the Christ. The motto of the last 10 years in America, I think, has been, don't confuse me with the facts. I want to live on my emotions. Don't confuse me with the facts. I just want to live on my emotions. Notice that the first idea is repentance towards God. Repentance means to turn away from, to change the heart or mind. As I turn towards God, I will find myself turning away from sin. I see the grace, the mercy, the kindness, the love, and the goodness of God. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. Interesting how both parties are throwing around this analogy. One side is light, one side is dark. You talk to the other side, well, we're light and they're dark. They both are proclaiming that they're both light. They're both wrong. Without Jesus, they're not light. So when I sin, I see it for what it is, sin. It's an offense towards the goodness of my heavenly Father. So then I repent or turn away from my sin and look towards God once again. But first and foremost, I need to come into an understanding of the goodness of the heavenly Father. You see, shortly after leaving Exodus, let's turn to Exodus 18. Shortly after leaving Egypt, as we look to Exodus 18, we see Moses' father-in-law come into the scene. Exodus 18, 8 and 9 says, And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. So Moses shared his testimony. And again, do you have a testimony as a Christian? Yes, you do. Can you share your testimony in less than two minutes. Can you get a person to understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Now I'm a saint, and this is where I'm heading. Not a minute and 45 seconds of darkness. They know about the darkness. 10 seconds of darkness, a minute and 50 seconds of light. Can you do that? If you cannot, you need to start practicing and get it down. All the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them 
Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel. You could put your name there. People will rejoice with you. They might mock you and ridicule you, but they'll rejoice with you. It's just natural. Now that rejoicing may not continue, but momentarily they'll rejoice with you. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Moses shared his testimony about God's goodness, which caused Jethro to proclaim God's goodness. How about David? As the music team comes up, does anyone recall what David had to say about God in one of the most familiar psalms ever written? Even unbelievers have memorized Psalm 23. Let's look at Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, one day we as believers are going to die and we're going to be in heaven where there is no clock. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but when you show up, nobody's going to ask you, when did you get here? There's no clock in heaven. It's as if you were always there. So we need to live like we are going there today. Not wait till we get there. Or how about Romans 2, 4? Or do you despise, and that word despise, to think little of? I want to ask you as believers, do you think little of your salvation? It's like, eh. It's like I did music this morning with the children. Uh, I do it every second Sunday. I encourage you to get involved. You can help in many different ways. I just love doing the music. And so we were doing the music. And so we were doing a song. He said, hey guys, what do we have to be thankful for? Nothing. I mean, I don't expect a whole lot. I mean, but nothing. And these are up to third graders. Nothing. And I go, what did you guys do last night? What did you guys do last night? And they start telling me what they did last evening. I said, no, 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 no. What did you do last night at two in the morning? What were you doing? Sleeping. What were you sleeping on? A bed. Are you thankful for that? <laughs> you had sheets. You woke up and probably had breakfast. You have clothes on. We're in a building with air conditioning. Do you know how many billions, billions of people do not have what you just had in the last 12 hours? Billions of people? Guys, are we thankful? Or do we just take it, yeah, so what, I'm a Christian, so what? The riches of his goodness, do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance and long-suffering? Thank God he's long-suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God could torch me during the day. I thank God that he doesn't. You see, as I see the goodness of God's grace in my life, it gives me the standard for what is acceptable, and it causes a desire within me to live out the faith in my life and show goodness to someone else. Because God's been so good to me. So the third aspect, all three. First one, does our walk match our talk? Second one, are we walking in humility? Are we doing that? And now the third one, 
Continual repentance and growing in the faith. Are you willing to repent? Am I willing to repent? Be in the word of God so that I can continue to grow in the faith. If you've retired, you need a kick in the pants and come out of retirement because there's no retirement in Christianity. Get your head in the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life from glory to glory. Do you realize that right now as a human being, Satan hates you because you represent God. Even as a human being, we have glory, not self-glory. We are made in the image of God. And one day we're going to be in heaven worshiping God where Satan used to be and he's been kicked out. And we're going to have that eternal glory, that brand new body, which Satan will never be able to do again. Guys, we're being transformed from glory to glory. Let others know that. There is a God, not Mother Nature, as the Speaker of the House said this past week. Mother Nature's upset. What? You're a practicing Roman Catholic and Mother Nature's upset? How about we need to repent as a nation because God's upset? Wouldn't that be more accurate? Father, we thank you and praise you. Lord, we know, uh, because we were there when we were unbelievers, we didn't care about your word. We didn't care about you. We cared about one person, ourselves, how to feed our flesh. So we're not surprised when people say these things. We're grieved, because she needs Jesus. She's playing church. She needs Jesus. So, Father, we pray, as your word says to do, we pray for our government leaders that they would come to know Jesus and more specifically pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around these individuals, that you will give them the boldness of Daniel, that they will have the humility of Nehemiah, and they will serve. Father, that our brothers and sisters in Christ will proclaim the good news that there is only one God And if we do not repent, we will implode. We see it in the scriptures and we see it throughout history. Father, we pray for ourselves as believers that we would be strengthened this day, that we would realize we need more of Jesus. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We don't want to try to do this in our own strength. Fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.